0: just a few days away from the NFL draft, such an exciting time of year for for teams, for players, really for everyone. Uh, and obviously we're here to talk about what this could mean for NFL teams and for their fantasy prospects. I'm Miles Nelson and I've got here with me Eric Smith, editor-in-chief of qblist.com. Eric, how excited are you for the NFL draft?
1: I'm extremely excited. Uh, Thursday night, prime time, we will be in the Discord, um, you know, in QB list, going through all the picks, making fun of the analysts, maybe some of the uh, the suits, the wardrobes, definitely be making fun of Roger Goodell. Uh, We plan on having some, um, you know, voice channel stuff going. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've been wrapping up a live mock or a slow mock draft over the weekend. Uh, QB list staff has been drafting the first two rounds. So yeah, it's just a lot of fun, lots of stuff to do right now. And then uh, once the weekend comes, I'm going to start working on my rankings and get out updated rankings for monday morning so uh it feels like 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 the real season's about to start we're gonna have this little flurry of activity and then we'll probably go away here for a little bit things will quiet down but um it's fun to get back into the swing of things here for a week or two
0: yeah, and obviously, you know that we're talking about that watch party. We're talking about the slow mock draft that the staff has been doing. That's part of our PL Plus uh, Discord community. If you want to be in and part of this for the NFL draft, go to pitcherlist.com plus. Obviously, that's our sister site, pitcherlist.com. But with that comes all the benefits for QB list as well. So check that out. Uh, come be a part of it. Hang out with us on Thursday as we're going to be doing live. You know, coverage, watch party, basically just talking about everything when it comes to the NFL draft. And you can see our uh, two-round mock draft uh, as we've gone through, you know, what all the teams have done. We made a few trades, had some surprising picks for sure. And you'll be able to see that stuff uh, as well. It'll come out on the website, but you definitely want to be a part of the community. A lot of good stuff in there. Now, what we're talking about today, and, and by the way, Eric, I just I love, I ask you how excited you are about the NFL draft. Your team is picking fifth, and yet you didn't even mention at all the Cincinnati Bengals what they might do what this could mean for your team your full fantasy full go I love it I love the commitment uh, yeah. to, to you know to fantasy football.
1: Now, I will say, we talked about them a lot on last week's show, so check that out if you want to hear me analyze kind of their first-round pick. But um, I felt a little better after doing the mock, honestly. I took Jamar Chase at fifth pick because I think that's what they're going to do, even though I said I would take, uh, you know, Sewell, offensive tackle there. Um, But I did kind of see when you get down to the second round for their second-round pick There are some pretty solid offensive linemen available. And one thing that was intriguing about them is they're versatile. So there are a couple guys there that could play tackle, that could play guard. And I think that's something the Bengals are looking for. So um, I I did come out of the mock draft feeling better. I I, I think that, knock on wood, it's the Bengals, but I'm not sure they can mess this up. There's going to be a really good player at number five.
0: Well, I mean, they picked Joe Burrow last year, so they, they did the number one pick right now. Hopefully they can do the number five pick, right? Um, you know, it's it's funny. You think, how can you mess with the number one pick? And yet teams manage to do it year in and year out. So uh, give give the Bengals a little bit of credit there. Now, what we're talking about, though, like I said, we, you know, we're kind of talking about the NFL draft, but not about the players themselves, not about the rookies, which obviously everyone's very excited about. And there's, there's a ton of coverage out there on them. But for fantasy purposes, right, talent is only part of the picture. A big part of the picture, and some might even say a bigger part of the picture, is opportunity, right? Where do you, what team do you end up with? What kind of scheme are they running? How much opportunity are you going to get? Cause you can be the best running back in this class. And it doesn't mean a dang thing if you're the number three guy in your depth chart and don't get to play as much as, say, the number five or number six running back who lands in a prime spot and will have an opportunity to produce from day one. So we're going to be looking at the teams that are drafting and kind of what spots do we want to see who ends up there? Because some of these teams, these are obvious needs. We feel like they're like Pittsburgh, for example, is obviously drafting a running back at some point in the NFL draft. They're definitely doing it. So whoever gets drafted, we're interested in them, whether it's Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, whoever it is, right? We're interested in them. Doesn't really matter as much who the player is. So we're going to be looking at the roster holes. And if you want to see more coverage on that, which we're only going to be talking about, you know, eight to maybe 10 teams on this. We're talking about the best opportunities. Uh, we have had the roster holes articles come out on QBList.com. Um, huge shout out to Brian sweet, Adam Sloat, uh, Matthew Bevins, Benjamin Howler, and uh, also Eric is writing one, uh, you know, I, that you might've heard of that guy. Uh, <laughs> and basically just looking at all these different teams, all 32 teams and the different, holes that they may have on their roster. That would be interesting from a fantasy perspective. Um, Eric, how have you, how have you been feeling about yours? Obviously you're doing the AFC North. Are we covering any of, of the AFC North teams today?
1: Yeah, we're going to gloss over the Steelers. We Again, we talked about them a ton last week on the podcast. So when we get to that, we'll mention it. But I uh, really, listened last week, uh, it's probably the best landing spot for a rookie this year is the running back in Pittsburgh. But no, we're not going to talk about any of the other AFC North. I mean, frankly, the Browns, unless they're looking to replace OBJ, I don't know what we would even want on that roster if they drafted them because receiver and running back is pretty set. Um, the Ravens, just too low volume for their pass catchers. I think they're pretty set at running back. Uh, So, yeah, and it's kind of the way we frame this is, I I mentioned the Bengals, like if they take Jamar Chase at number five, then obviously that's a fantasy player that we want. But if they took a third round receiver, it's not so much of a slam dunk with T. Higgins and and Tyler Boyd there. So that's kind of how we're framing this. Um, We're doing like the top six landing spots for fantasy rookies. We're looking at redraft and we're kind of looking like just Outside of who's being mocked to that team, you know, just if you got the random third round receiver to this team, would you be excited about that player? So um, that's why someone like the Bengals doesn't make the cut. And that's kind of the framework we're going with here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And why uh, my Dallas Cowboys don't make the cut, even though right. this is such an explosive offense and right. There's all this talk about if Kyle Pitts lands at number 10, which we'll talk about him in a minute. Um, if he's there at number 10, Cowboys are taking him. Uh, but that's, you know, there's still so many mouths to feed in that offense ahead of him that we can't be positive that Pitts is going to be, you know, a lockdown star. And And again, if you're not drafting an offensive player at number 10, then there's no chance any, any player that the Cowboys take, uh, throughout the rest of the draft is going to make a huge impact over Cooper Gallup and lamb in the wide receiving core. And then obviously Zeke uh, at running back and, you know, Dak at quarterback. So the, you know, that's exactly what we're talking about. It just, wh- where's the opportunity Um, before we get into that. Uh, let's talk real quick about the Atlanta Falcons who have been listening to trade offers for Julio Jones uh, mainly because he is a huge cap number. The Falcons have some cap issues moving forward. They've spent a lot of money on not a lot of players And uh, Julio Jones presents a a great opportunity to both, you know, get a lot of value back um, for someone who has such a huge contract. And also he's he might be a little bit past what the Falcons realistic window is. Right. Falcons might be at a bit of a crossroads here. Might have to decide is are we really going to win again with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones or is it time for us to maybe get what we can? Eric, what do you think the chances are of the Falcons actually trading Julio Jones?
1: I'm still skeptical. I think they're just looking for a massive deal. Um, we, you know, we were talking about before the show, it, it is a crossroads and even the Julio Jones situation. Like, do they trade Julio and blow it up and draft a rookie quarterback and it kind of signals a change? Or do they trade Julio and draft, say, Kyle Pitts and, you know, keep Matt Ryan and try to win and just save up some cap room without Julio? So, I mean, it's all about the cap room. I'm pretty certain with Julio, they've got him signed through 2023. Uh, you know, he makes about $22 million a year on average. So it's it's just about freeing up money. But I really don't know if that means they're blowing it up or if they're just trying to save money and compete. So I think he's going to stay unless someone just blows them away with an offer personally. I, it's He's just one of those players that means a lot to the team. And it would be a hard sell to the fan base and the locker room if they just – give him up for an okay deal. So I, I think you just, you dangle him out there, you see what happens, but I would expect him to come back. But I mean, we're going to find out real soon. It, it would happen before this draft that it happens. So, uh, certainly intriguing and it affects, you know, Calvin Ridley, whoever they draft in the first round, it's going to have huge ripple effects. So, uh, certainly one to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of sweat equity there for Julio. Uh, it's not a player that, you know, uh, you can just trade and the fan base. will probably be okay with, I mean, he's been there for a long time. He means a lot to the franchise. And uh, you know you can sit here and say, well, we've got Calvin Ridley, and you know Matt Ryan's a good quarterback, and if we get Kyle Pitts or I don't know Jamar Chase at number four, someone else that can step into that role will be fine. But at the same time, you know how many times last year did we talk about how much the Falcons' offense took a step back when Julio Jones isn't out there, even when he was, when he was injured and he wasn't playing at full capacity, he just he makes the defense pay attention to him in a way that allows Ridley and allows even guys like Russell Gage and Hayden Hurst to get open that they're not going to otherwise. So, and it was an effect that Julio had on the, on the offense that Ridley didn't have by himself, right? We didn't see the same when it was just Ridley out there. They really needed Julio uh, to kind of make the defense move in ways they weren't moving otherwise. So it's tough. Um, I, I think they probably do trade Julio. I, I would I would lean probably more than fifty percent that Julio gets traded, uh, just because I think there's too many too many good reasons to trade Julio. Uh, as long as the right offer comes, I don't think they're just going to sell him for nothing. But I think if they have a good offer, and I think the only reason we're hearing about this is because there are good offers that are actually making them consider it. Right? I mean, yeah. it's not a story if they just hang up on the team. So I don't know. I I think there's a good chance he gets traded. There's too many too many good reasons for the Falcons to do so.
1: Yeah, and it's an intriguing spot to trade him. I mean, this is going to be his age 32 year. Um, yes, he played nine games last year with injury. I do think we overstayed his injuries a little bit. I mean, he had played like 14 or more games for six straight seasons. So I know he kind of shows up on the injury report a lot, but I mean, he's putting up 1400 yard seasons every year before last year. So it's interesting if you gamble and this isn't the cliff here, you might get another couple of elite years, or maybe this is the beginning of the end for him. I, I tend to think he's an elite enough athlete. You probably can get another couple years out of him, but it's a tough spot for for the falcons so we'll, we'll see what happens i i don't know if i'd want to make that decision that's for sure
0: yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> it'd be really tough pulling the trigger on that no matter what you get back in return uh all right so let's talk real quick about kyle pitts um we don't really have any tight end spots in our top landing spots for rookies for multiple reasons number one how much can you rely on a rookie tight end? It's a, a steep learning curve. And number two, it's, it's just not as exciting about as running back and wide receiver. So we're, you know, we're going to talk more about that later, but we do have to talk about Kyle Pitts who seems guaranteed to go in the top 10. It does not seem like he will pass uh, slide past the Cowboys at number 10. So let me just ask you this, Eric, from a, from a fantasy perspective, does it matter where Kyle Pitts gets drafted or is he just going to have kind of the same fantasy ranking coming into the season, no matter which team drafts him?
1: I think it does matter because, I mean, there's a chance if he gets in the right situa- situation, he's essentially a wide receiver one, you know? I mean, I saw, uh, I was listening to a podcast with Matt Waldman and Sigmund Bloom um, I mean, I think he said he Matt Waldman graded him as the third best wide receiver in this class, and he's a tight end. Wow. If you just put him at wide receiver. So if he gets in the right roster, he could take over that passing game and he could have a monster year. Um if he ends up somewhere like Dallas, which it sure seems like they wouldn't let him pass them just cuz they can't resist having that, you know, ridiculous offense. Um if he gets in Dallas, like it helps the offense obviously, but how many targets are there with all those receivers? So, it's definitely going to matter. He could just take over a passing game. Uh we're not as worried about him year 1 as some other tight ends. We'll we'll see. This will be a good test, but uh he could really have a big year in the perfect spot. So, is there what, what team would you be hoping drafts pits the most? Like, is
0: there a team or two that you definitely have your eye on there for his fantasy value?
1: It's interesting because it almost feels like this could end up being a trade up if the Falcons don't take him at four. Right. Um, I mean, there's some teams that, I mean, like Miami has, um, you know, Mike is uh, Detroit has Hawkinson. I mean, would Carolina pull the trigger? Is that what they need? It's, it's a little hard to find like the ideal landing spot, but, um, I, you know, even though Atlanta, they got a lot of the weapons. I mean, especially if Julio Jones got traded, I'd love to see Pitts in Atlanta. He's playing on the turf. Uh, it's a, you know, probably struggling defense. They're going to be putting the ball in the air a lot. So I think Atlanta's a really fun spot. Um, Carolina could be, I just can't imagine they're going to do that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just, I think you would want to avoid Dallas. Um, and then obviously a spot where they already have like a starting tight end.
0: Yeah, I, I like the idea of, of him going to Atlanta, especially if Julio's trade. I mean, even if Julio's not traded, I think there's still enough uh for him there, especially if they don't, you know, invest in a running back and it's we're talking Mike Davis as their RB1, then this is gonna be a team that's gonna air it out and Pitts could easily being the number three guy on the depth ride, especially in weeks where Julio's either out or hampered, um, if we're assuming Julio stays. I still think that there's a, a lot of impact from there. I also like the idea, uh, you know, if the Dolphins end up with him at six, right? If if Chase goes four and then you guys take Sewell, then Dolphins take Pitts. I'm not sold on Mike Kosicki. Like, I yeah. I think we all love Mike Kosicki, we all, but we love what he could be. And he's very frequently not that. And he does it just enough that we're like, oh, yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy we want. But it just he doesn't do it enough. And I mm-hmm. think Pitts could easily overtake him there. I don't think Detroit takes him. Um, Carolina is almost like a, a light version of the Cowboys. They just have a lot of good wide receivers, and uh, plus McCaffrey, right? And he's such a huge part of that offense. So I think the best case scenario for for Pitts would either be the Falcons or the Dolphins. And if it goes to the the Panthers, if he goes to the Cowboys, I'm I'm a little less interested in Pitts. But I, I think he's going to be drafted in fantasy, uh, pretty much no matter what, with all the hype around him.
1: Yeah, it'd be an interesting test for Tua if he had Pitts and Gesicki and Devontae Parker and Will Fuller. That's a lot of weapons. He he wouldn't have many excuses. So, um, it'd be, I don't know. I'd, I'd be a little worried getting production out of all those players with Tua. Good defense. I, I don't know how much they're going to put in the air, but I agree. They're not going to not take Pitts because they have Gesicki. I, Gesicki's not that kind of player.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I, I forgot that they got fuller. Uh, and that's yeah. funny because I was very much not happy when they got fuller because I had I had just drafted Devontae Parker uh-huh. in League of Leagues like the day before. All right, um, right. Let's now let's talk about the optimal landing spots for some of these players. Um, We're going to get we're going to count down from five to one. Initially, that was like, oh, we're hey, let's count down number one's the pittsburgh steelers running back situation uh there's really no suspense so we're we're not we're just gonna you know take the rug out from under you guys right now and just say all right number one pittsburgh running back eric talk to me about why this is the best uh landing spot for a rookie coming in for fantasy purposes
1: right so i mean again we talked about it a lot last week so if you want the full breakdown down go to that but I mean, some of their beat writers are essentially like all but guaranteeing this is a first or second round running back this year for the Steelers. They seem unhappy. James Conner's gone. They they just seem unhappy with everyone they have. Mike Tomlin loves the bell cow running backs. Roethlisberger's aging. You know they've had good offensive lines. It just it all lines up here where they they get their workhorse. That's how Tomlin wants to use them. And they try their best to recreate Le'Veon Bell. They're probably not going to get another Le'Veon Bell, but um, it's just a perfect spot. So there there are only so many spots in the league where you can get a bell cow. It goes along with a good defense, a good team. This is it. So, uh, yeah, unless it slides down in the third, fourth round, I mean, this is definitely the best spot. And even a third round running back, we're going to be all over him. So uh, he's competing with fellow, you know, fourth rounder, Anthony McFarland, players like that. And they just haven't shown us much.
0: Yeah, I mean, it seems like almost a guarantee that they're taking either Najee Harris or Travis Etienne at pick 24. And while, again, this isn't exactly what that article is, or this podcast is supposed to be about, it's it you still kind of feel like we have to pay attention to this spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to pay attention to what they're doing. Uh, if they don't pick one of these two at 24, they probably don't get either one. And it becomes a little murkier for me because we've seen Benny Snell get the opportunity. He's not that good. Uh, we haven't really seen Anthony McFarland get that opportunity to just be unleashed for a few games. And so I almost wonder if, if they wait a little bit and they take that running back in the third round, um, if we're certain that we know who the bell cow is in Pittsburgh, uh, or if it's going to kind of be a, all right, your game, game one, McFarland's game, game two. And, you know, we'll see from there, or maybe it's decided in the preseason, but uh, I just think for sure it's going to be Harris or ETN there at number 24.
1: Yeah. Harris is getting mocked to him a ton. That's who I took in the first round in our mock. I had the AFC North, uh, and the QB list staff mock, so I took him. I mean, I, I don't love taking a running back in the first round, but it sure seems like that's what they're doing. And, well, yeah, if they don't take one early, they're going to miss out on some of the true bell cows, and then what do they do? So uh, I still think McFarland, it, Steelers seem to throw their rookie running backs out there pretty quickly, and they needed help last year and didn't use them a ton. So doesn't mean his career's over or they can't contribute, but uh, he had a shot last year and just nothing really happened. So, um, yeah, I'm looking at that rookie, especially first or second round. All right. So Pittsburgh Steelers
0: running back. And let me just ask you, uh, how high up the board are you going with that? Like, is this maybe like a second round pick, third round pick, like in terms of fantasy, when we're going into drafts next year, where do you think Harris or ETN end up if they're the Steelers running back?
1: Uh, it's going to be pretty high. I mean, you know how the hype train gets on these players. So they're definitely going <laughs> to shoot up there quickly. Um, it wouldn't be a first rounder. That's too high. Um, Let me get my running back rankings here. But, I mean, it's going to be the second round, I would imagine. I mean, you've got – um, even players like, I mean, Cam Akers, that's someone in the second round. He may not be able to beat. Well, he's probably gonna go in the first round. A lot of drafts. Really the Akers hype train is, is yeah, crazy right now. It's going to get nuts. So I, he's probably like a, what, back half of the second, uh, early third round type. I mean, you get into the third and you're looking at, you know, Joe Mixon's there, uh, Josh Jacobs. So, um, he's probably gonna slot in around those. Cause at some point it's like, well, do I want to take another year of Josh Jacobs? We know what he is more competition or take the shiny new prospect and hope you strike gold so he's probably second round third round mid-second to mid-third until the hype train gets a hold of him and and then
0: he ends up at pick nine or whatever ended up yeah ceh really climbed up uh boards and and honestly i feel like pittsburgh steelers running back it would be more interesting than last year's kansas city chiefs running back and ceh was the last pick of the first round so i mean there's a potential for for this hype train to take more. You know, get more speed than the Ceh one did last year. But anyway, yeah,
1: I mean, do you think he could jump Nick Chubb, for example? I don't. I didn't. I mean, I didn't think Ceh could jump Nick Chubb. That's that's true. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's kind of where you start thinking about it, though. I mean, Aaron Jones, I I, he should be ahead. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, so probably right in after that group. I think rational minds would say right behind right. that group. And then I think diamond
0: hands would pick them right before <laughs> those guys. And there's yeah. always, there's always diamond handsy people in your draft. So you never, you'll never be in a draft where everyone's just picking rationally, even, even, even big money leagues. There's always someone who's like, all right, let's do it. Let's get on the hype train. I'm here for it. Okay. So that was number one is Pittsburgh running back. Obvious. We're just going to get that out of the way. What are some of the teams that didn't make the cut? Actually, I know what they are. I don't know. why I asked you that question. Let's just talk about them. Um, let's talk about the team that I think was probably closest to breaking into the top five. Um, if only for the big question mark, and that's Houston Texans at wide receiver. Um, this is a team, I think if we knew what was happening with Deshaun Watson, that they would easily be in the top five, uh, for optimal landing spot for a rookie.
1: Oh yeah. I think they are competing for probably third or fourth. Uh, my favorite spots here. So yeah, we just don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. We don't even know I mean, when he'll be there, how many games he'll play, will he be active? It's a huge question mark. So, um, but it's just the fact that I mean, it's Brandon Cooks, and then it's there's nothing else there at receiver. I mean, Randall Cobb, um, Andre Roberts, Kiki Q T, uh, Alex Erickson, Dante Moncrief. It's it's ugly. So, um, if if you just throw Watson right back onto that team, uh, this player slots in right along with Brandon Cooks and. Uh, You know, Cooks is a good player. I think we underestimate him, but he does kind of have a certain role. There would be a massive role here for this receiver. So, yeah, he's easily top top five on this list, Uh, maybe even as high as uh, number three. Well, and it it also helps that I mean, it's not just the fact that there's not a lot of
0: competition at wide receiver. It's also that David Johnson, Philip Lindsay, and Mark Ingram are the running backs. And it's like, there's no, they're not winning. Well, they're not winning any games next year, but they're, they're definitely not, you know, getting the large portion of their offense from those three guys. Like those guys are there. They're good. They're going to be fine. They're going to, you know, rack up some type of yardage, but they're not winning games. And so the Texans are going to need to throw the ball. Uh, Watson is going to put up a ton of numbers. Again, who knows what's going to end up happening there for multiple different situations that Watson has found himself in, uh, put himself in, really. Uh, but we have to recognize that it's you know the NFL and mm-hmm. there's a good chance that Watson plays 10 games for the Texans next year. And Not if that's it. the
1: case... Yeah. Another wrinkle though, uh, Texans fashion is they don't pick until the third round. So, you know, the best <laughs> you can get a third round receiver out of this and uh, we'll see, but even a third round receiver would be interesting if Watson was back.
0: I wonder if, uh, David Johnson and Laramie Tunsil were worth it. <laughs> uh, all right. And I have no idea if those were exactly the trades that led to these picks not being there, but it's that exact kind of thinking that has led to the Texans where they are right now. So, um, everyone, thank Bill O'Brien and let's move on to the next team, uh, which There's a lot of different teams with with good wide receiver opportunities. It feels like Um, so. This next one for me is the Philadelphia Eagles at wide receiver. Um, This to me has to do with the fact that that the depth chart just is kind of thin. Jalen Rager is their best wide receiver, and like I don't what Travis Fulgham is like their next best. Greg Ward, like I I, we don't know what's happening at, at tight end really. I mean Dallas Goddard's there and he's fine, but I just. I feel like this is a team that we could easily see the number the number one guy in targets this year for the Eagles is not currently on the roster uh, and that could be someone that they draft in the first round potentially.
1: No, that's fair. And uh, they were certainly in consideration for the top six. Um, what ultimately went against them for me, is I expect with Jalen Hurts, this to be a fairly low-volume passing game. So that's one. I don't think it's going to be – they're not going to be putting it up in the air like they did with Wentz last year. So that should take a little step back. Um, two, they still do have Rager, who was a first-round pick last year. Um, and they also don't seem to be real great at, you know, evaluating these rookie receivers. I mean, Rager, he was hurt, and he, that that was a miserable situation. So maybe we shouldn't hold that pick against them. But there were some awfully good rookie receivers that went last year, and they took Jalen Rager. Um, there's always that JJ Arcega-Whiteside, who's still on the oh, roster. That was on. a draft pick of theirs. Like they have not hit on these picks. So I'm holding that a little bit against the Eagles, plus a lower passing volume. I just. I don't know that even if you give us a second round receiver, um, can we be confident that this is going to be a, a good player year one anyway? So I think dynasty wise, I mean, this is wide open. Um, it's probably more appealing dynasty wise redraft. I just, I don't know. Year one, I'm going to go overboard for uh, a rookie receiver for the Eagles.
0: I, I can't believe the slander against a plus name JJ Arcega-Whiteside. I mean come on he's worth it for the name alone uh, put him and Colt McCoy together that's that's what I really want to see. Uh, by the way, I think you're forgetting that the Eagles have an elite quarterback on their roster and that's Joe Flacco if he gets the starting job he's gonna air it out like crazy. I don't know how many I don't know how many passes he has left in his arm like lifetime. Uh, but if he, he he'll use them all this year with the Eagles if he, if he gets to start um okay yeah i the, the upside's not there I do get that but I just think if they do pick a wide receiver there at uh, pick 12 that this is someone who could be very interesting uh, and I think that's at least worth a mention there um you've got Tennessee uh, at the wide receiver spot in Tennessee as an honorable mention. Tell me more about why that team might be more interesting than Philadelphia.
1: Uh, I mean, we saw it. I mean, you know, obviously AJ Brown's locked in as a wide receiver one. He's put up huge fantasy numbers, but Corey Davis was doing it last year too. Uh, so mm-hmm. we, we've seen it with this team. Uh, they do lose their play caller, uh, Arthur Smith. That worries me some, um, but you know, Corey Davis and Johnny Smith, the tight end are gone. So there's a huge opportunity here. Um, you, I mean, you could easily make the case. They should be in my top six. Um, I just wonder I mean, that, that rookie is going to have to be really good year one, I think, to crack uh, just as much as they're going to run the ball, as much as they're going to give it to Brown. Uh, I just think this, they're really going to have to hit that pick for it to be fantasy relevant. So uh, I'm definitely going to have my eye on it. There's just a few I think are a little more locked in. But um, if they don't miss a beat with Arthur Smith gone, then we could be definitely starting, you know, this rookie by week four or five.
0: Yet yeah, to me like this is a light version of the next team that's on the list. Uh, And I might, you know, kind of give it away here, but basically it's the opportunity is great, but the offense is so dominated by just a few players that how much opportunity is there for people outside of that core unit. And the next team that we have on the list is Kansas city. And it's the same situation. There's a wide receiver slot open. Sammy Watkins is gone. Um, Nicole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson have had every opportunity really to, to show that they can step up and be a good Either, either partner next to Tyreek Hill or even step up when Tyreek Hill has missed a few games, and it just it's, it hasn't happened. Uh, and so this wide receiver two slot for Kansas City is wide open for the taking. The only question is, how much of an opportunity is that really?
1: Now I mean my thoughts exactly I mean last year Kelsey gets 145 targets Tyreek Hill gets 135 and then it's Miko Hardman at 62 I mean it's just Sammy Watkins had all the opportunity in the world I know Sammy Watkins has his issues staying on the field but he's never exactly broken out we see these players catch these big passes from week to week uh, big touchdowns. We we think it's coming, the secondary players. And it's just, it always goes back to Kelsey and Hill. And I would expect a little more from CEH this year. So I think that's going to eat into it. I, I can't imagine that CEH doesn't get a little more passing game work next year. So, Um, I just, man, it's, it's one of those that could look really dumb. Uh, if, if someone gets hurt, Kelsey or Hill, uh, that player would skyrocket up if it's a good receiver and, uh, you know, they could win you the league for sure. But we've just seen it too many times. Dynasty wise, I'm drafting this player as much as I can, but just in a redraft league, I just, it's another year of Kelsey and Hill, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, so both both Tennessee and Kansas City are in very similar positions for us here and in, in that we're definitely keeping an eye on any wide receivers that they draft, especially if it's someone that can be an, you know, an every down number two wide receiver and not uh, you know, a slot guy or more of a gadget player or anything like that, but someone that we can rely on. It just the question comes down to how how many targets are left in this offense for players not named the top guys, AJ Brown for Tennessee, uh, and then Kelsey and Hill in Kansas City. Um the last honorable mention and I kind of feel like this team maybe could sneak into the top, top six, top five. And that's the New York Jets uh, running back situation. How do you feel about their current? They have so many running backs. I, I just feel like there's a lot of guys there, but not anyone good.
1: Right. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's just kind of one of those things. I I want to see it before I buy in with the Jets. You know, I want to see the change. I know, you know, a lot. they made a lot of changes this year. This could be the year they turn things around, but I'm not ready to buy in quite yet. Um, on that same podcast I mentioned earlier, Matt Waldman, Sigmund Bloom uh, on the couch. Uh, Waldman gave, I mean, I don't know. He was not very trying to think of the right word. Um, very positive <laughs> about their uh, their quarterback that they're going to draft here. Um So I don't know. It's just if they miss on that quarterback pick and, you know, it, it's just it could be a disaster. So it's I'm not ready to really buy in on this offense on a running back here. Um, even if they drafted a fairly high running back, we just don't know what we're going to get out of this team. So um that's what holds me back here. And, you know, maybe by next year, this is a really good player and we missed out, but I'm, I'm generally just going to fade these bad teams until we see them it around.
0: Yeah. I mean, you said it best. There's really two question marks with the jets. Number one being that the offense could be very bad and, and that just, there's no up. I mean, not no upside, but it's very difficult to be a productive running back on a team that just can't move the ball. Uh, and then number two is that what are the odds that they draft a running back? Who's going to come in and and immediately be better and clearly better to the coach than LaMichael P. Ryan, Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, like these guys are already on the roster. They've been in the NFL. Um, you know, Tevin Coleman's a veteran who's, who's had uh, some good times as well. So it's just not going to be easy unless we're looking at literally, I think, Harris or ETN mm-hmm. as guys who are going to come in and immediately be like, oh, yeah, this guy's our starter. Like, it's just I don't know. Yeah, I'd true. feel a lot better about it if this was a, a better running back class, I think, for, yeah. for yeah. this situation.
1: And I just, I just think Zach Wilson's far from a slam dunk here. So it's just, just cause he's going to, doesn't mean this is going to work out. And yeah, I mean, like you're saying, if it's a later running back, I mean, the jets have been notorious for, they barely even have been getting goal line carries lately. And I, I know that could regress, but these last few years, you're not even getting the slam dunk touchdowns. So yeah. I, I just, I want to see it before I invest in it, but Hey, if it's a, a late round pick, uh, yeah, it, go for it. There's a ton of opportunity here.
0: All right. So now we're out of the honorable mentions. Let's talk about the team that makes it in number six and it's, It's funny. We've had a few of these kind of back-to-back similar situations. I feel very similarly about this situation as I do the jets, but there's one key difference between the two. And that's that this offense might actually be good next year, which means that there might actually be production available for the Miami dolphins running back. Uh, There's a lot of players there in Miami. It's very similar to New York. Some of them are even like miles Gaskin would immediately be the best running back for the jets. So there's even stiffer competition but there's a good chance the Dolphins score points <laughs> and, and they and they may need a running back to step up and produce in games that to a struggle. So why why do you feel the Dolphins are here at number six and why not higher?
1: Yeah, so I kind of struggled with where to place them. Um, a lot of the reasons you mentioned. One and one thing that just really caught my eye is we started a lot of different Dolphins running backs last year, or we were mm-hmm. at least intrigued by them. We were running to the waiver wire. I mean, Miles Gaskin, like, you know, who was he before last year? And he was a legitimately good fantasy player last year. Uh, we were running out and starting Salvin Ahmed at times. Uh, Deandre Washington, I believe he was started in a lot of lineups there for maybe a week or two. We were looking at him. Even Lynn Bowden was intriguing at times. And it, it's really just because this is a, I mean, it sure appears to be a well-run team uh, from top to bottom. They have a really good defense and two is still learning the ropes here. So that's always going to provide a big opportunity. So for the running game. So I just, I uh, Gaskin is good. And I think a running back drafted here certainly has some competition, uh, going here with Gaskin, but I mean, he played uh, 10 games last year so I mean he's far from you know a workhorse that's going to make it through the whole season so I just I think if you draft drop a second or third round rookie into this backfield I'm going to pay attention to him for sure and uh, I think there's a lot of upside in this backfield maybe it doesn't happen but I just the upside is really what got me here for the Dolphins running backs yeah
0: I, I'm 100% with you and I find it very interesting that uh, there's a lot of chatter about the Dolphins really liking Najee Harris um, and if they I mean ignore whether or not they actually draft him. I mean, they have the 18th pick and they might take them there. I feel like there's, there's better players available, but they might opt to go for Najee Harris at pick 18. Uh, the fact that there that there's chatter about the Dolphins and a running back means that they are not they don't feel confident in what their situation is right now. Despite how good Gaskin looked last year and Salvin Ahmed looked good too, and the fact that you know they might have enough of an offense to call together that they don't need a bell cow running back or even like a, a clear number one guy. But the fact that this chatter is out there it says to me the Dolphins are interested. They're looking, uh, and that player might get a real opportunity in this offense.
1: Yeah. And we were kind of eyeballing them last year and they they faded drafting a running back and they pieced it together. So maybe they do it again. But I mean, they got two firsts, two seconds and a third round pick. So they've got the ammo. If they want to get one, they could spare one. I don't know if they will, but it, it would be interesting for sure.
0: Yeah. And with Tua at quarterback, this may be a situation where they feel like we really need a kind of a safety blanket for him, someone that we can rely on and give the ball to when Tua just doesn't have it. Um, or if he is just, you know, not making the right reads and, and at the very least, someone that can be there as a safety valve as well. So it just kind of feels like when, when you have a great quarterback or even a quarterback that you know can throw the ball 45 times a game, uh, just like, in terms of literally being capable of doing so, uh, not whether or not they can be successful at it, but just can they have that kind of volume? You don't need a running back of, of that caliber, but I, can, I don't know if Tua can throw the ball 35 times in a game. <laughs> uh, I just don't know if he's if he has that in him at the NFL level yet. And so you may think we really need to make sure our running game is secure uh, before you know we can just say that this team's going to be a, a playoff level team, which they clearly think they, they are, and they really should be. Um, but I wonder if the running game is what is going to, Uh, hold them back and if they feel that way if they do spend some draft capital on getting a guy that they that they can trust
1: yep and we know gaskin's good in the passing game they they may want a little bit more of a between the tackles presence be a good compliment and like we always say hardly any of these backfields are true bell cows so uh you kind of get a 50 50 split get some games where one of them's injured you could definitely piece together a really good fantasy season here
0: yeah, we're just really looking for that one A at, at the very yep. least. Um, all right. The number five team, we're gonna switch positions. We're gonna go to wide receiver, uh, and we're gonna be talking about the Detroit Lions, who lost Kenny Galladay, uh, who've also downgraded from Matthew uh from Matthew Stafford to Jared Goff. But they clock in here at number five for you, Eric. Uh, what's so interesting about Detroit that that you wanna see which, you know, a wide receiver end up there?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a scary spot to, to be drafting someone out of because just everyone has left Detroit and there's not a lot left. But, I mean, that's the reason why. Uh, Kennedy Galladay has gone. Marvin Jones is gone, who had 115 targets last year. Even Danny Amendola is gone. I, I suppose they could re-sign him, but uh, he is not on the roster right now. He was third on the team with 69 targets. So it pretty much just leaves... Uh, T.J. Hawkinson who had around 100 targets and then they signed Tyrell Williams to a one-year four million dollar deal that's a very small deal um, he missed all of last year with the torn labrum he's battered battled injuries before that um, and he's just you know he's a he's a deep threat he's a complimentary receiver he's never going to be the number one other than that fluky stretch of touchdowns he had in uh in, I believe it was Oakland at the time but um So yeah, they've got Tyrell Williams, Hawkinson, Brashad Perriman, who's got a one-year $2 million deal. He's pretty similar to Tyrell Williams, a deep threat, um, had a career-high 12 games last year, so you can't count on him to be out there, so... I mean, that that's about it. I mean, they got Quintes Cephas who, you know, has some supporters, but he's a fifth round pick from last year. It's not the type you would expect to take over. So there's just a huge opportunity here in the receiving core. And I know it's fun to bash on Jared Goff. He's definitely not the best quarterback in the league by any means, but uh we're gonna see some regression away from Sean McVay for sure. Um uh, but he's still he's a he's an NFL quarterback. He's got five years of experience. He's topped thirty, eight hundred yards in his last four seasons, like there are worst situations out there quarterback wise. So we'll see how he adapts year one to a new system. But somebody's gonna catch the ball here and a, a rookie. I mean, even a third round rookie receiver is gonna be intriguing. So that's why they're so high. It doesn't even have to be a first rounder and they're gonna see the field a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, Goff has supported multiple fantasy relevant wide receivers. I mean, that's the that's the thing is a lot of a lot of times when we look at these quarterbacks, we're like, man, can they even support one, let alone two? Goff has supported two and sometimes three. Uh, and, and obviously Sean McVay, it has been a mastermind there. There were years that he had, you know, the best running back in, in the NFL, but it, the fact of the matter is golf did it and he's done it. And, and he may not have the same level of weapons here. You know, there's no Robert Woods or, or even Cooper cup on this roster. Uh, but at the same time, he's got Hawkins that's the best tight end that he's had, uh, probably in his entire career. Uh, he's got Deandre Swift who, you know, has shown the ability both as a runner and as a pass catcher. So I'd like whoever ends up here should have a ton of volume at the very least. Like we could probably pencil them in for a hundred targets if they stay healthy and that could be very valuable if they can step in and be a contributor right away.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Uh, you, you don't expect Detroit to shut very many people down defensively. So uh, probably nope. some coming from behind games, some shootouts uh, It's just, it's a good spot all around. So as long as golf doesn't completely tank here, uh, we, there's going to be some production that pops up that we just haven't seen before on this roster. All right. And the number
0: four spot is the running back position in Atlanta. So we've talked about Atlanta quite a bit so far, this podcast, Julio Jones, uh, you know, the, the trade rumors there, what are they going to do at pick number four? And they're definitely not picking a running back at pick four. So it's, we're not worrying about, uh, you know, them getting Najee or, or ETN really, but all they have right now is Mike Davis. I mean, I think Edo Smith is still there, but like, I don't know if we care about Edo Smith. Um, I got Todd Gurley could come back. I don't, I think we care less about Todd Gurley. Uh, Really, it's just is, you know, what's Mike Davis as a running back? Is he a starter? Is he a backup? Is he a a 1B? Like, you know, is he a pass catcher? Is he a between the tackles guy? He's kind of just been, he's almost feels like Silly Buddy. He can be whatever, you know, a team needs him to be. Uh, The only thing I think we can all agree that he can't be based on his workload so far is that he can't be a 16 game or now 17 game workhorse. Um, we saw him fade pretty quickly in Carolina after getting all of the workload for a few games there. It just isn't something that he's capable of doing, and so that makes the running back position, even if it's someone that's the number two there, I think very, very interesting in Atlanta.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it's even worse than you mentioned. Uh, they got rid of Vito Smith already. So, oh, gosh, it's, it's Mike Davis, and the rest of the roster is Cordell Patterson, um, uh, uh, Cadre Allison, and Tony Brooks James. So, Uh, Where's Todd Gurley? I'll I'll take Todd Gurley now, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, bring him back. Uh, Yeah, so it's bad. I mean, uh, there's not much there. I know they added Mike Davis, but you know, he's, he's 28. Um, he's, he had 224 touches last year, came out of nowhere, but four of his six seasons in the league, he's had under a hundred touches. And I think three of those seasons he had under like 50 touches. So there's just, there's no track record of him doing this before last year. It was a great story, but I just, I think if you bet against these kind of guys from a fantasy perspective, nine out of 10, 10 times, they turn out to be kind of a flash in the pan. So I just, he's going to be around. You're, you're right. He can play in the passing game or the running game. Like he, no matter who they draft he's probably going to be on the field but it's just i just can't imagine he's leading the backfield for the full season and there's nothing behind him and you know you've got arthur smith there i'm not saying he's going to replicate derrick henry but um the offense is going to be based on play action uh the running game is going to be a big part of it um and then i mean todd gurley scored nine touchdowns last year in this offense like it's he was startable for first half of the season almost so uh, I just, it's a good enough offense. It's an intriguing situation. I think if it clicks, this could be just a blow up spot. So it's really just, what do we think of Mike Davis? Is he really going to take another 200 touches? Is it going to be a hundred? Like, where's he going to factor in? But we know the passing game can take some pressure off. So the running back should have success wherever they draft him.
0: Yeah. I mean, if an unexplosive running back with no knees can score nine touchdowns, uh, imagine what a guy out of college could do, who probably has both his knees still. Uh, I, I completely agree. I think The big question mark is Mike Davis. Uh, You know, he was really good last year uh, in those first few games after McCaffrey went down. I think we're all uh, still kind of riding that high. And I just I think Atlanta's well, I don't know how smart Atlanta is. I just don't think that they that they think Mike Davis is a starting running back for the full season or even part of the season. I think best case scenario, he's you know who he feels a lot like to me right now is Latavius Murray. Uh, the kind of backup that's heavily involved in the offense, but isn't the starter isn't, you know, always, uh, in there on every drive, but he's going to get touches every single game, but you can still have a a running back one ahead of him.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a two year deal, uh, 3 million guaranteed. It's he'll be here for two years, but it's not a lot of money. So yeah, he's a depth piece and, uh, you know, nobody else on that roster probably can even be a backup at this point. So they, they needed one, but, uh, they, they still need to get their starter.
0: All right, so we've got two final spots left uh, because <laughs> we started with number one at the top of the show, which is the Pittsburgh Steelers running back. So we've got two teams still to go on our list. The number three landing spot that we're most looking forward to watching, and I'm, I'm definitely going to be looking forward to this one because it's going to be in my hometown. Uh, what did the uh, Los Angeles Chargers do at wide receiver? And the when you first put this on the list, it's funny because my initial reaction was, Really, like they've got Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen gets like twenty targets a game, and Austin Eckler gets like ten targets a game. Plus, he's also going to get the ball, you know, on the ground. So, what opportunity is there for a number two? So, I, I let me ask you that, Eric. What what opportunity is there for a second wide receiver?
1: I think there's a lot here. It's actually similar to who we're going to talk about next, but um, I mean, part of it's, you know, Justin Herbert. I just loved what he saw, what I saw from Mm -hmm. him last year. Um, I think it's funny. There was some discussion about if you drafted over, if you would take Burrow or Herbert first, and I'm as big of a Burrow defender as anyone, but I mean, Herbert was like Burrow, only more athletic. I mean, he was just thinking about it. He was just, I mean, he was just as gutsy as Burrow. Uh, He's a bigger player. He's, you know, faster probably. He's got a huge arm. Like, I don't know what more you could have seen out of Herbert. So, uh, it's maybe the, one of the best young rookie quarterbacks in the league. And, um, it, it, that's the kind of player you want to attach a, a, you know, a fantasy receiver to. So Keenan Allen got 10.5 targets per game last year, but I'm mean, was almost four more than second place. And that second place player was Hunter Henry and he's gone. So he's replaced by Jared cook. I don't think Jared cook's going to get the same amount of volume that Hunter Henry did. Um, nope. but, you know, that's, that's 93 targets right there. And Mike Williams, like, I mean, he's their number two. He's been on and off the field hurt a lot. He had 85 targets last year, 5.7 per game. Like, I, there's no saying that someone couldn't beat him out for targets. And that's, you know, not even factor in all of Hunter Henry's targets available. So, I just think there's a lot there. Uh, Herbert had 39.7 attempts per game, third in the NFL last year. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at some of those players that were catching passes. Jalen Guyton, um, he's, he was an undrafted free agent that the Cowboys cut. He got 55 targets last year, and that was with Hunter Henry yeah. around. So I, I just, you know, if they draft a receiver and they're good right off the bat, I, they're going to get the ball and they could be the number two receiver on this team. And if anything happened to Keenan Allen, even better. So, yeah, I mean, I know that, um, you know, Austin Eckler is there. He's going to eat into it, but it's just really good quarterback. And there's a hole on the roster. And it's just I'd be taking shots on whoever they draft here.
0: Yeah, I, I see it. I definitely see it now. Um, my, my main concern here is that. Mike Williams does bring something to the team when he's healthy and that he is that outside, uh, you know, yeah. deep ball threat. And in a way, like it, it's kind of weird because Keenan Allen is unquestionably the best wide receiver on this team. And you think Allen's a wide receiver one, Mike Williams a wide receiver two, but in a lot of ways, Williams really functions more as that outside wide receiver. And Allen is kind of used all over the field. Uh, sometimes in the slot, uh, he's just really a, a more versatile wide receiver. And I think that's why he gets so many targets is because they can use him in so many ways you know the third wide receiver you get here assuming williams is kind of locked in which as you said he's not but you know it's it's tough to see them not starting mike williams uh we're talking about a guy who's you know probably gonna be used in the slot maybe used um you know as a counterpart to keenan allen and i just don't see herbert not looking allen's way
1: no i mean that's fair and i mean i think especially dynasty wise i mean mike williams is free agent in 2022 after him it's you know joe reed kj hill Uh, Tyron Johnson, Jalen Guyton. It's just, there's nobody behind Keenan Allen and Williams. It's going to be wide open after this year. Uh, I just, I think that Herbert's good enough that they could get in this first year and make a difference. I mean, you know, just look at the way this team profiles. I mean, it's just, they profile as a team that's going to throw the ball a lot, even if it's a little less than last year. I mean, that fits Mm -hmm. Austin Eckler. He's a pass catcher. I just, I don't think this team's going like you know, too wide, pounding the ball up the middle. I I think they're going to spread it out and there should be plenty of snaps for these receivers. So we'll see. You're right. I mean, Williams is going to be on the field when he's healthy a lot. Maybe they can't beat out Williams, but if they can, or if Williams gets hurt, I just, I think there's a lot here. And I mean, we just, we've been waiting for Williams for so many years. I don't know if the coaching staff and the front office feels the same, but I'm certainly ready to see someone else out there and get a chance. And uh, maybe this is a year it happens.
0: Yeah. And you know, something you just said really they're not going to go too wide a lot or uh, two tight ends a lot. You know, they're they're really going to be a team that airs it out. I mean, that is what the chargers did last year. Uh, you said Herbert had uh, all the volume last year and, and he's going to keep doing that again this year. It's not like the defense is that much better all of a sudden. Um, and, and it, honestly, it kind of reminds me, I had this same exact issue last year when the Cowboys drafted CD lamb, uh, which was the, basically the question is like, okay, that's cool. Is he really going to be the slot receiver? Cause Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup are not going to be that. And, kind of prove me wrong that the team can kind of function without a slot receiver you can have. I mean, he's literally, he was in the slot, but he wasn't, you know, Cole Beasley. He wasn't uh Danny Amendola. You know, they're out there running three guys who none of them were really, you know, quote unquote slot receivers. So you can do the same thing with the chargers. Uh, you can draft a, a wide receiver and have him be the number three guy uh, behind Allen and Mike Williams, and yet still be a, a great producer. So I completely agree. I think there's that opportunity for sure. And, and that kind of, kind of ties into number two, as you mentioned, a uh, very similar situation, but this is the Green Bay Packers wide receiver slot. So why is this the second best spot for a rookie that, uh, coming into the 2021 fantasy season?
1: Is, is this the year? Will they, will they draft a receiver this year, Miles? Is this going to be it, finally, after feels like 10 years?
0: Yeah, Alan Lazard is still a real deal, all right? <laughs>
1: you better watch out. Now, I have no idea. I... I, he, Alan Lazard is a good player. Right? This is not uh, this is not slander on Alan Lazard. Lazard, that's for sure. So uh, it's just there's a huge opportunity here. I mean, Green Bay has picked twenty nine. They have comp picks in the fourth through sixth rounds. Um, they have all the draft picks in the world to finally take one. Every receiver on the Packers is a free agent next year. Uh, everyone other than Devontae Adams. So. Um, It's just – it's going to open up here, and it, I think it's – they've seen enough from Lazard and MBS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, that I just – there's a huge spot here. You combine an excellent play caller, Matt LaFleur, with an excellent quarterback and Aaron Rodgers, it's just worth taking a shot on. I mean, Dontae Adams played 14 games last year, um, and he had 86 more targets than the second-highest targeted player on the Packers. So he had 149. Aaron Jones and MBS each had 63. Like, it's just a huge gap. Um, He had six more targets per game than second place. Lazard was second with 10.6. So it's just, I think that catches up to them eventually, and they need somebody to take a little pressure off Adams. And not to mention, you know, if he got hurt. I mean, he got hurt for two games last year. So there's just, you can't just, I mean, they force feed him the ball so much. Something's got to give eventually to some extent. They've got to find another option. And, you know, Tanya's good at tight end, but I don't think he's going to, become a true like number two receiver in a good offense so there's just a huge spot here sure maybe they pass again and the offense is still just as good just relying on adams but one of these years they need a compliment Devonte adams and maybe lazard can do it but it's just it's been enough years he's on the last year of his rookie deal and we just haven't quite seen it yet
0: yeah i mean I mean, Will Fuller was available and he was oh. very obtainable, right? And and we all how many times did we mock Will Fuller to the, the Packers, not just as a free agent, but also in trades yeah. um, when the writing was on the wall that the Texans were terrible and uh, should have moved on from Fuller. And it just it, it blows my mind that the Packers have have not really done anything to help Aaron Rodgers. The point that they used a draft pick on Jordan Love. Like, I just don't understand that. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone understands it. Uh, I mean, yeah, Brett Hundley was really bad, but like, come, on, do we, do we really need to draft Aaron Rodgers' future replacement? However, on the on the other hand, right, we want to get a, a wide receiver to tie to Justin Herbert. Maybe the Packers think they need a wide receiver for for when Jordan Love takes <laughs> over, right? they Jordan Love's not throwing a Marquez Valdez Scantling, so maybe no. I, in all seriousness, though, Aaron Rodgers has shown not just no signs of slowing down, but that. Even the slowing down he had done might have been, uh, you know, we might have uh, reacted too strongly to it. He was absolutely fantastic this past season. Um, he clearly still has plenty left in the tank. And I just, I can't imagine how good these Packers could be if they had someone else that teams had to pay attention to in the playoffs because they don't they don't have to pay attention to anyone besides Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ar- honestly arguable that they don't even need to worry about the running game that much. Uh, and they just need... They need to to stretch the field more. They need to give Aaron Rodgers more people to throw to. They absolutely should take a wide receiver here. And uh I would love to see how how fantasy The only the only concern I have from a fantasy perspective. This is all from an NFL perspective, right? Yeah, yeah. Packers need a second wide receiver. From a fantasy perspective, is Aaron Rodgers going to make another wide receiver fantasy relevant?
1: I, I mean, I think he can. I mean, we saw him make James Jones fantasy relevant that one year when he was, like, halfway out the league. So, uh, you know, I just think if you throw out a good player, he's going to find him. I, Marquez valdez uh Equinemius St. Brown, like, they've had just some bad draft picks. And Lazard's more on the borderline. He's not a bad draft pick, but he's had trouble staying on the field. It, it's just you give him a good player, he's going to find him. He found Tunyon last year. I just – I think they're ready. Um, And I was actually right on my notes. Devontae Adams is a free agent as well. All their receivers are free agents. Now, he's not going anywhere. I mean, you know, i imagine they franchise him or something. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's especially dynasty wise, there's just a huge opportunity here. And I hope they just, they finally do it because they, they got to take a shot here while Rodgers still has good years left in him. And it hasn't been him so far. You know, it feels like they go 13 and three every year, regardless. But uh, they got to get some weapons for him and, you know, take one last shot here to get him over the hump.
0: It just, it just concerns me from a fantasy perspective because there were times last year when you would you would watch, like before the ball snapped, Rogers is throwing it to Devontae Adams. Yeah, Like there were some throws that there, there's like no way, like the entire defense could have seen it coming. They could have blown up the play entirely, had three guys right there ready to intercept the pass, and Rogers is still throwing it to Adams and getting it to him. There's no chance anyone else could have succeeded in that offense last year. Now, right. is part of that because they didn't have any, like Rogers knew there was no one else worth throwing the ball to? that's yeah, probably part of it uh, yeah. if he had someone he could trust he could but i mean the, it's not like the packers have a pick to go get jamar chase or even Jalen waddle uh you know or Devontae smith they don't have that pick so whoever they get are they getting someone that roger's gonna gonna come into training camp come into preseason and be like okay i feel good about throwing this guy the ball in an, in a live game i just don't know
1: now you're right it i guess it just feels like they're walking they're just a really thin line here i mean it's like guy Does the the league adapt eventually, slow this down? I know Adams is great, but, like, man, as much as they are forcing him the ball, it's just can you get by on that every single year? I don't know. We'll see. But it's just I think eventually they're going to have to pivot a little bit, and a new rookie receiver would certainly be a way to do it. But maybe you know maybe Adams gets eighteen touchdowns again. I don't know. So it's it's pretty insane that they've been able to do it to this extent. And maybe it just keeps on going. But um, he did have one hundred and sixty nine targets a couple of years ago. So maybe he gets another uh, you know one hundred seventy targets this year, and they don't need anyone. I just one of these years, I think it's going to bite them. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. I, I, and every year that they don't is another year of Aaron Rodgers, you know, in their ear. Like, uh, come on, are you serious, guys? Really. Like, I know I'm great, but come on, <laughs> help yeah. me out here a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm working hard for the state farm money. Like, at <laughs> least, you know, get me some a, a wide receiver that I can throw the ball to besides Devontae. So, yeah, I definitely see it. Um, just to recap real quick on on the teams that we're most interested in looking at, number one, the Pittsburgh running back. Again, basically, whoever they draft, assuming they draft someone in the first two rounds, uh, is going to be a, a top 30 pick conservatively uh, realistically when the hype train takes the takes the reign at end of first round early second round type pick but that's someone we're definitely interested in even if they pick a a running back later on in the draft if they wait until like the fourth round like they've been doing lately um, it's still someone that could easily take over the reins there in Pittsburgh we know Mike Tomlin likes a bell cow so they're number one Uh, number two Green Bay Packers we obviously just talked a lot about them and and uh, wide receiver there if they get a wide receiver two Ah, uh, to pair with Devonta Adams, it could be someone who could be very, very productive. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is an MVP, and uh, you know that's that's good news. Typically speaking, for wide receivers, uh, number three, L.A. Chargers wide receiver, same situation, just like you know, fifteen years ago with Justin Herbert, uh, or fifteen years younger. I mean, uh, with Justin Herbert, but kind of a similar situation. Someone to pair with Keenan Allen and give Herbert uh, another weapon to throw to. Number four, Atlanta Falcons running back. They have no one. They have Mike Davis, and that's the best that they can say. So they need someone that can run the ball. Uh, number five, Detroit wide receiver. Kenny Galladay is gone. Marvin Jones. Every, everyone's gone. Everyone's gone. And Jared Goff can, can throw the ball. As much as I love to ridicule Jared Goff, uh, he's, not, he's not the worst quarterback in the NFL. Uh, he's, he's probably top 20 among starters. Top 25. I can't. I don't know how I feel about him, <laughs> but there's, some way, there's someone throwing the ball who's a professional, and they need someone to catch it. And then number six. Uh, the Miami Dolphins running back situation, kind of a murky situation. I would feel a lot better about it if they took someone in the first or second round. Uh, but there's enough question marks there and enough opportunity there. We really like the upside there. So um, it, it's a good chance that whoever they draft is someone who could who could be in the mix as a fantasy relevant player. Um, Eric, are there any other teams or or uh, storylines for the NFL draft that, that you feel we haven't talked about today?
1: Well, you know, it just occurred to me, going through these articles, this whole process of writing them, I, mean, I mean, it's super useful. That's kind of why I make sure we get these in every year, because, I mean, it helps me just writing them. But it doesn't feel like there are a ton of open spots in these rosters, especially wide yep. receiver. It feels like everyone's got at least a receiver or two. Uh, maybe other than the Lions but uh, it feels like there are a lot more opportunities last year going into the draft and it's hard to figure out just the the obvious spots I mean like we said at the top like whoever takes Jamar Chase like he's going to be intriguing whoever takes Kyle Pitts like that's going to be intriguing but you you take out the prospect that you're putting in you just look at the roster and receiver feels just a lot more stocked than it ever has been and even running back I mean it's just uh, there didn't feel like as many holes now a team could certainly draft one of these top running backs that we didn't expect. And all of a sudden we have to reevaluate, but I don't know if I was heading into a dynasty draft, I might think about um, trading one of my top picks. If it's, you know, as, as long as it's not super flex, um, if I had you know, fourth, fifth pick, uh, I might see what I could get for it. I don't know. I just, there are only so many slam dunks, I think this year, and then it's going to get, it's going to get into a gray area pretty quick. I'd say.
0: Yeah. And, and some of the teams that do have open spots are just teams that the, the off either the offense is just so bad or like, you yeah. know we just aren't sure of the situation. Like the Jets, are running back—it's like, what kind of offense are they going to be? You had Denver um, as a running back spot in your initial honorable mentions. Didn't make the final cut of uh, of ten teams, but that's a team that, like, what are they doing at quarterback? Is that an offense that's even going to be good? And then also, like, whoever running back they draft is probably going to be better than Melvin Gordon. But are they are they really going to not play Melvin Gordon? It's just there's so many weird. Like even the best situations are weird, right? We I said early on, hey, I thought Kyle Pitts and Carolina might be okay. And then you look at it and it's like, well, but they do have a lot of receivers. So yep. it's just, uh, it's a weird year. It's a weird year. It's good. It's good. We have a lot of players we like and, and there's a lot of uh, huge infusion of talent. And and last year's wide receiver draft definitely helped yeah. bring in a lot of that talent. Uh, but it just, we're kind of in a weird spot now for this year. So um, definitely keeping a close eye on it. And And here's the thing it's, it's harder to talk ourselves into it before it begins, but come August, when we know who is on the roster and we see the depth start shake shake out, Oh, we'll be talking ourselves into plenty of bad situations. Then don't you worry.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane. You go up and down the league. I mean, like the Raiders, they now have two running backs and even look at receiver where they've struggled. And, um, I mean, they drafted two last year, you know, they drafted rugs and Brian Edwards. So a lot of these teams, even that could use boosts on offense, they've just spent some draft capital and it's just, it's hard to find spots, but yeah, we'll, we'll certainly talk ourselves into it. Probably not even in August. It'll probably be next week. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, Thursday, it. Thursday. <laughs> it's not going to, we don't have to wait till next week. Oh, yeah. I guess maybe we'll talk ourselves into
0: everyone on Thursday. Anyway, Friday, Friday, when the you know second and third round, we'll talk ourselves into uh, uh, all those guys. So you don't even have to wait till next week. Uh, but anyway, that's going to do it for us here today. Uh, definitely looking forward to the NFL draft on Thursday and seeing where all these players kind of land and, and how things shake out. And, um, you know, fingers crossed that the uh, Packers pick a wide receiver. Um, and for another reason than for Aaron Rodgers' mental health, you know, just, you know, just it would be nice for him. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time.